Welcome to Kankakee Podcast, where we talk about the people and places of Kankakee County. I'm Jake Lamore, and before we get to today's episode and today's guest, I just wanted to take a minute to thank our current sponsors that have been helping make Kankakee Podcast possible and keep us afloat here. And uh, that would be Allison Asher of Coldwell Banker Realty. Adam Elroy, a financial advisor at Edward Jones, the Noble Dairy Queen stores here in Kankakee County, True Heights Treatment, King Music, and Milner Media. And then a few new sponsors that we've just recently welcomed include Chicago Dough Company in Bourbonnet, Kankakee Community College, and of course, D. Westfall Jewelers on Broadway and Bradley. So I want to welcome all of them on and thoroughly thank them for their love and support, as to you for supporting Kankakee Podcast as well. If you want to contribute to the show monetarily, you can join our patron program, which uh, you can go to kankakeepodcast.com, click on the patron tab, and then you can click on the pledge, the monthly pledge that you would like to make every single month. And uh, I want to give a shout out to our patrons for also helping make Kankakee Podcast Possible, and that includes Karen Bishop, Jake Lee, Jesse Arsenal, Dave Barron, Daryl Damper, Samantha Rocknowski, Lake Iverson, Travis Garcia, Jane Bostwick, Don Harrison, Simon Topless, Scott Wright, Carrie O'Connell, Jamie Race, Joanne Barry, Anthony Vicelli, Eric Olson, Carl Earps, Jeff and Rosa Carroll, Rose Lucky, Teague Dreenan, Sandy and Steve Twait, and uh, there might be one or two others that I don't have on my list that maybe just joined. So if you pledge $5 or more per month, you'll also hear your name announced on an episode of Kankakee Podcast. There's also other uh, rewards like uh, video versions of episodes and such like that. So go to kankakeepodcast.com and every little bit helps. Thank you so much. Now we'll go ahead and get to today's episode. Today we are on location once again. We're inside Milner Media Partners, which is the cluster of radio stations in Bourbon A. I'm sure you've driven by it several times. It's a little white house just down the street from the, the corner where the Speedway gas station is right at Latham and uh, 45 Convent. Um, and it's uh, WFAV, WIVR, WVLI, and uh, well, I guess WYUR as well. So all those stations encompass the Valley, River Country, and WFAV, uh, where I'm employed actually part-time. And 
if you do listen to those radio stations, which you should, you'll hear the Kankakee podcast commercials that get played because we are, in fact, a partner with Milner Media. Kankakee podcast is, which I'm very grateful for. And that's because of Tim Milner, the CEO and president who I'm currently sitting down with. So, Tim, welcome to the podcast. So good to be here, Jake. <laughs> it's good to have you here. It's so funny. Like I've been thinking about this day for a while just because I knew I wanted to have you on the show. And I was just thinking in my head, I feel like it has to be in Tim's office. There's just I just feel like there's no other way because this is where this is where the power is. Like you come in here, you, you've got this ginormous desk. Which I feel like there's a story behind this desk, isn't isn't there? There, there is a story. Uh, this desk belonged to a gentleman by the name of uh, Harry Fitzgerald. And Harry Fitzgerald was partners with Howard Dibadoc. Perhaps you know Howard and his wife, Charlene Dibadoc. Uh, and Howard was partners with Merlin Carlock, and they own 99.9. And I met Harry... Uh, back in the summer of 1983, my late brother Tom and I were in uh, a place called Anderson, Indiana. Uh, we had $13,000, and we our goal was to buy a radio station. I was just turned 30 years old, and he was a disc jockey in all places of Maui, Hawaii, but he had island fever, and he and I had a dream of buying our own radio station. So I contacted this man in Anderson and met him uh, with my brother uh, on a summer day in 1983 in a pizza hut while they were doing a remote. <laughs> and he had all his, all his financials in a uh, Tom McCann shoebox. And I looked at it and I looked at my brother and I said, this is not going to work. So we went to the Best Western Hotel, spent the night and woke up the next day and the newspaper said Anderson ranked worst place in America to live. Oh, you know? so, um, <laughs> being from South Florida, being raised in uh, Fort Lauderdale, uh, and my parents owned operating a couple of stations there for many years, but they sold them and retired. Uh, we loved the Midwest. My, my great uncle, my grandmother's brother was, frankly, he had football coach at Notre Dame in the 40s and early 50s. I did not know. See, I did not know that. That's why I'm here. There's so many stories behind Tim Milner and just the Milner family in general. That's one I did not know. Well, and, and Frank was very famous, second winningest coach. Uh, uh, I think I think Saban is like now number one, so he's third in the history of the NCAA. Wow. Having said all that, my middle name was Leahy, so we would always go to Chicago at least once a year for a game. And my parents had a, a, a bought a condominium in Chicago. So we liked the Midwest. And uh, so we left Anderson in a rented uh, Pontiac and drove the state highways, you know, because we got to enjoy the cornfields and things like that. And we drove through Kankakee and actually stopped at the YMCA, of all things, and and met uh, Wes Walker, who, and I almost bought a membership, but I said, Wes, I don't live here. So <laughs> we continued up to Chicago because we wanted to go to a White Sox game. And when I was uh, playing baseball, I played baseball in, in high school in Fort Lauderdale and then at the University of Miami, uh, I was scouted by the White Sox. And so I became a White Sox fan. And we went up to, we took Route 50 all the way up and 
I think we just lost a bunch of listeners saying they're, you're a White Sox fan. <laughs> All the Cubs <laughs> listeners stopped listening now. They're like, okay, I'm done. Well, you know, I have to be <laughs> perfectly frank with you. Uh, the other half of my family are all Cub fans. And uh, so it's, I, I also enjoy the Cubs as well. And your mom was a Dodgers fan, right? Yes. She yeah. grew up in New Jersey. Yeah. And when the Dodgers were on the East Coast. Right. right. Yeah. Exactly. And it, was, <laughs> it was a big deal when the Dodgers left for L.A. I mean, it broke a lot of hearts. Yeah. Yeah. And but but not to. Re get, we regress, right? Yeah. But so you got scouted by the White Sox. You yeah. became a White so Sox that, fan. Right. But, you know, the whole thing is about this gigantic. Right. Desk, this ta right? I was just curious yeah. the, the story behind this desk. Yeah. It should be made into a surfboard. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, uh, so we get we get up to. Uh, Comiskey Park, and they wouldn't let you in up to two hours before the game. But there's a bar there called uh, McCuddy's and a payphone. And, and you might wonder, what's the payphone got to do with everything? Because we were listening to this station, 99.9, from Kankakee. It was an album rock station, pretty good station, listening to Jim Murphy on the radio, still is a good friend of mine today, uh, and drove all the way up there listening to that station. And hearing Auckland commercials and, you know, Billy game commercials. And, and these are local Kankakee people. And I'm saying to myself, that station's got a huge signal. That's great value there. I wonder if that station could be bought. Because, you know, everything was the Midwest, was the Rust Belt, everybody was leaving. And, and, and my brother said, call the station. So I called the station. I, you know, you know, 411, you know, WBYG, you know. And the disc jockey answer says, I said, so who owns the radio station? And they said, Harry Fitzgerald. And that's where the desk came in. So they gave me his number. And I called him up right there. And I said, hi, Mr. Fitzgerald. My name is Tim Milner. I was wondering, uh, we're listening to your radio station, if it's for sale or not. And he says, matter of fact, it is. Hmm. And he says, why don't you come down and talk? We told him where I, of course, small talk. He knew where yeah. it was. Yeah. So we drove down the next day. And he was a Notre Dame fan. And... Uh, he said, well, we're going to go over to the sandbox, and we met Mr. Carlock. Okay. And one thing led to another. Great guys, gentlemen, and we're golfers, too, you know. Sure. Bob Vivant and all that. So. Yeah. Was Bob Vivant, was that, wasn't, was that open at the time? Yeah. It was yeah. open at that time. Yeah, okay. it's been open for a few years. Okay. It's very popular uh, with uh, people from Chicago driving down. And oh, sure. Championship golf course. and Yeah. Had a croquet uh, lawn um, had a little airport there. I mean, it was, it was you know, well, Mr. Carlock. Right. He didn't. <laughs> he didn't uh, mess around when it came to doing something. He he was going to do it all the way, or you know. Right. So, you know, in fact, Mr. Carlock said, "So, okay, boys, what do you want to do?" You know, and we said, "Well, Harry indicated that uh, the station was for sale ninety nine nine. Uh, how much? And it's one million dollars." How much you guys got? You know, thirteen thousand. But you know what? It's worth it. It's absolutely worth it because I had in my mind a business plan for the radio station, and I wanted to change the call letters to WBUS. Call it the bus. You know, the bus in Joliet, the bus in Tinley Park, the bus in Maryville, a regional radio station, the bus in Kankakee. And I said, sure, it's worth it, but it's out of our league. So I went back to work for. Uh, Clear Channel, which is now, you know, iHeart Radio, a station called Y100 in Miami. My brother went back to Maui, and my parents were retired. And they said, well, you know, 
this sounds like a pretty good deal. Do you really think that you could take that station and regionalize it? And I said, I guarantee it. Well, I'm 30 years old, you know. <laughs> I really didn't know what EBITDA was. I didn't know how to read a balance sheet or anything. <laughs> but it made sense to broadcasters that if we could fill a hole in the market, right? So uh, my dad said, you know, we, we've got a place up there already. So my father, who's an Irishman, called Harry Fitzgerald, who's an Irishman. And you get two Irishmen together, you know. Look out. They're, they're going to talk about weddings, funerals, and drinking, right? You know. <laughs> or and maybe Dame golf. Football. Was he a golfer, Sunday. too? Yeah, and he was a golfer. Oh, yeah, Notre Dame, right. Yeah, Dame so all of that. Course, and yeah. uh, one thing led to another. But at the time, the economy was really bad. You couldn't get a loan. There was a recession uh, in the 80s. Big recession. Right? I yeah. mean, interest rates were in the teens. That's huge. they were trying to tame inflation the same way the, They're doing the, now, right? the Fed's doing it now. And, and it takes time, but it eventually works. Yeah. So uh, you had to create deals. And so essentially the deal came down to $100,000 down, $300,000 balloon payment every two years for the next six years, right? So and this was just an agreement between you and Fitzgerald then? Fitzgerald. And no and, bank. And Divadoc and another gentleman, I forgot his name, he had a small piece of stock. And oh, okay. something he owned a record store downtown, KP and Mr. Carlock. Oh. Uh, it was... I think Mr. Carlock transferred his stock over to Mr. Dibadoc, but whatever it was, we had a deal. Mm -hmm. So we made the deal, and um, and I was moving to Kankakee, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And I say that with all the gratitude my heart can put out there. So what we get here, and it's just proof that adversity uh, is a teacher. It, uh, I mean, it can torment you, or it can teach you, right? It can make you a better person, make you um, less of a person. So what happened? So uh, we did it six months after buying the radio station. I think we closed in 84. We actually closed on St. Patrick's Day. That's right. Yeah, because we uh, the Valley celebrated its birthday on... St. Patrick's Day, though, too, didn't right. it? Of course, that, can't, that, come, that doesn't come until about 10 years later. But every year, you know, there's been a few years I haven't done it, but uh, we go to Tiny Tap to celebrate. And it's a nice Irish bar right by the railroad tracks downtown Camp the Key. Mm -hmm. And you meet some really interesting people there. <laughs> you want to know I love how you put that. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it's, it's just a wonderful place. And, uh, you know, people that worked in the factories, years gone by and everything. You, you learn the history, and if you know the history of your community, you appreciate it, and and uh, and you want to be part of it, you know? And the only way you can be part of it is by giving back to it. Anyway, I, getting back to this desk, Desk, right? so was this desk sitting here, when, like in this very no. spot? No. No, Mr. Fitzgerald died uh, about, I want to say, seven years ago. And his widow, Jan, called me up. And she needed some help for some things. And I always used to go over and see Harry because he's right next door. And and he had this. In Wait, he lived next door to the radio station? Yeah. And this. Like, yeah. the when I met him, he was across the street. There was a hotel across the street that he had purchased. Okay. That was no longer a hotel. He uh -huh. had an office there. And then he bought this house. And he, he turned out to be a very, very successful uh, telecommunications guy. 
you know the tower on top of the on top of the Sears Tower? Yeah. That's his. Wow. Yeah. I mean when he died, he he was a multi, multi mega millionaire. And anyway, so getting back to when he passed away, um she didn't he had all this stuff, you know. And she said, I don't know what I'm gonna do with his desk. And I said, Oh, can I have it? <laughs> Please? And that chair you're in is his chair. Oh, this is his chair too? Yeah, wow. And it, it's, it's it's perfect. It, so it's to describe the, it. it's got golfers on the chair. So of course you wanted the chair, yeah. right? <laughs> but getting back to all the, you know, so we bought the radio station and um, the Silhouettes celebrating, I think their 40th anniversary. This just, year. just this year, yeah. yeah. We did a promotion with them, not a promotion. We did a fundraiser for the Vietnam vets uh, out at the fairgrounds. And it was a, it was a, a, a night to change my life. My brother and I, who were partners, uh, Tom, Tommy, Tommy yes. Judge, that's a picture of him right there. Right. Yep. He was my best friend. I mean, we never, ever had an argument, never yelled at each other, never fought. We just were, I was the guy with the tie, he was the guy with the voice, and uh, he died in a car accident. Was it that night of the yeah. anniversary? Yeah. That was the night of the of no, it wasn't. Or not the anniversary, but the benefit. I'm the benefit, sorry. yeah. It was in October. It was October 26, uh, 1985. It's when it actually happened. And um, it was tough. And six months later, my dad died of pancreatic cancer. My mother had double radical, and she had breast cancer. And... And I had my brother, Mickey, who was in AA in Florida, but he was doing really well. And I said, man, I need you. You know, he would, he had been on the air before. Addiction is, is a terrible disease that many families uh, have to deal with. Nobody's fault. It's just like a sickness, you know, it's like somebody has cancer. You right. Know? You know, yep. Absolutely. Out of your house because they have cancer, you try to get them cured, right? Yes. Treatment. So he came up, did a great job. Uh, uh, we had a guy here, Jim Murphy, Bill Taylor, Kathy Gagliano, Kathy Robinson at the time, Case, a lot of great people. Uh, Vicky, not this Vicky, another. But anyway, I decided to change the format. That was a big deal uh, to top 40 uh, because there was a big hole in the market and they didn't want to do that. So this would have been what, the late 80s? This is Probably. 1980s. Eight, late 1985. Okay. I mean, you know, I've lost my brother, lost my father. We got a huge note, $300,000. We have to make $300,000 in pro profit, you know, or we lose the station back to Harry and Howard and, and everybody else. And my mother came out of retirement. And that was a good thing. And you know my mother. Yes. Oh, my gosh. She was so wonderful. So, so, so it was after your father had passed away that she decided... I'm going to come, come back, come back, and help you keep right. things organized. She knew how to. She she knew how to read a balance sheet. You know, she was a sharp businesswoman. She was the first woman ever to address the NAB. Think about that. I mean, that's pretty historic for me. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, as a sales manager, night. This is 1973. Um, but she was a brilliant businesswoman too, and uh, we were great partners, and. Which 
flipped the format on the weekend to top 40 and timing couldn't have been better. You know, we went from a, a QM audience of about 40, 50,000. We had a 50,000 watt stick. It's huge, yeah. To over 350,000 almost overnight because we added all those listeners in Joliet and the south suburbs in northwest Indiana. And frankly, we did really well with it. And so there wasn't a lot of top 40 stations at that time? No. It, usually at that time you had, you know, top 40 stations were difficult to run. And I'll tell you why. Because let's take, for example, I mentioned Bulkman's Jewelry Store. Right? Yeah. Yeah. They were uh, one of your first they clients. They advertise on KN and they wouldn't sure. talk to BYG or anybody. Mm-hmm. Even though who gets engaged, young people do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in research, and you have a chance to brand something, have a customer for life and so on. But there was a lot of opportunities there for young, most people that own businesses, dry cleaners and banks, they don't want young people. You know, mm-hmm. they, you know, they, they want to go after the people with the dough, with the money. And at that time, KAN was what adult contemporary? They did news, but they, they also did full service. They were like the WGN of Tank and Key. Yeah. I mean, they were it. You so know, they were they doing were all kinds of different stuff. They were that. doing primarily uh, news, information, uh, hot AC, I guess you would call hot, it. Hot, yeah. And maybe just AC. Uh, in farm and and they were very successful. And they did a lot of local sports games. They broadcasted sports. those in the, in the yeah. small zone. They were one of the few few broadcasters that owned were allowed to own a radio station and a newspaper in the same town. Right, that's so Kankakee. <laughs> so, it is, it is. So, but eventually they sold to another group, and um, but we were extremely. Um, uh, blessed with the U.S. The bus became legendary for a generation. And then eventually we sold that radio station to a, a, a Spanish group uh, and um, and moved on to purchasing WBLI, WIVR, WFAB, WYUR. So, so what I've always wondered, though, why sell the bus? Why sell? I mean, 99.9 was such a huge station. It was so, the, the signal was massive. Why, why sell it? Well, you know, it was a lot of money, you know, and we had lots of grandkids, lots of people to put through college. And we thought this was the time to do it, you know, kind of cash in your chips. Because the market was high. The market was hot and uh, Mr. Bustos wanted it. And I didn't particularly want to sell it because I was pretty young uh, and having fun. And, but uh, my mother p- thought it was a great idea. Jackie thought it was a great idea. Uh, Kathy Gags, you know, Kathy, she didn't, you know, we were like, I don't know, but yeah. we did. We sold it. And this uh, would have been what, 94? 94, 95. Actually, 95, I think it was. Yeah. So, but, you know, that led to, you know, this radio station, WBLI, which is greatest artists, greatest hits. And, uh, it has been probably one of the most successful small market radio stations uh, in the history of broadcasting in the country. It's been ranked every year for 25 straight years as the number one most listened to radio station in Kankakee County. That's a real privilege. I, I'm not bragging about that, but it's just a testament to how important it is to be in touch with your local community. And there's so many stories behind WBLI and 
people <laughs> who have made it what it is today, you being part of that. Um, in fact, when, when, when you started your podcast and I saw it for the first time, I mean, I was so impressed. I was like, <laughs> well, oh my you're God, too I kind. remember listening to Jake on 91, one, uh, you know, Oh, KCWKCC. Yeah, started, and my brother yeah. called you to come over and work with us, and yeah. and um, it was just, uh, you know, there's so many stories like that, right? Yeah. But being in touch with the community to me was the most important thing. Um, uh, there is a, a gentleman, Wally. What's with Wally? Uh, can't think of his name right now. From WGN, I read his book. Oh, I think I know you're well, talking about. I can't think of his last yeah, name. Yeah, I want either. to say Wally Volkman again. You know, <laughs> um, but he was the he he did Morning Drive on on WGN for years and he okay. wrote a book. And I read his book. You know, it's real important to read. You know, if you like if somebody's successful, read their book. Right. So I read his book, and 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 I thought it was interesting that there was a quote in there that he made Chicago seem like a small town. Contrast that to broadcasters in small towns wanted to sound like a big town state. <laughs> That's so true. You can't you can't be uh, uh, you know interviewing uh, somebody in a small town whose uh, son or daughter uh, just got the you know a special honor of some sort, right? You know you you do it quickly on your show and things, but more importantly. Uh, Wally, uh, what he would do is he would call people on the air and say he'd hear about, you know, a fire down at, at uh, Skyler and uh, and uh, Route 17, right? And they would call in and then he would say, well, go see my friends at Blue's Cafe and they'll have lunch on me. And, I, and that really, you know, I'm paraphrasing, of course. Right. So I decided that it would be really cool if we would engage our listeners in a lot of the things that we do. And mostly that's with contesting and uh, that gives our advertisers an opportunity to to connect with our listeners. Right. So we did a lot of that, as you know. Oh, yeah. And in addition to that, uh, we we picked the right people to be on the air. The first person uh, that I I called when we put WBLI on the air was Jim Brandt. And guys listen to Jim Brandt on. WKAN, and I found out he was working part-time. So I called the GM at the time, Gary Wright, and I thought, that's what broadcasters do, you know, kind of help each other out with engineering and lend ourselves each other equipment if we need it. Yeah, you end up, <clears throat> you just end up mingling with other people, whether you're working for the same company or not, you end up running into them at different events, or different yeah. places, so it's, it's just natural to because you all end up working with one another somewhere down the line. <laughs> exactly, with Ed oh. Mundy and all these guys. But, you know, with, with WBUS, it was more of a regional station, so we didn't compete with the same advertisers. But, but now you were. Now we were, yeah. So to go, uh, before you talk about Jim Brandt more, mm -hmm. you know, so going to the purchase of the bus, and then you purchased 95.1, right? 95.1 was a, a guy out of Champaign, and he had a album rock station on. And the station was located uh, in Bourbon A, and they, they, they had rented some offices over there, and uh, they just couldn't make any money. You know, I mean, it was so narrow-casted with the audience and music. It wasn't, you know, there's an audience for it. I mean, 
But are you really yeah. slimming it yeah, down? Yeah, radio. The radio stations are like magazines. There's one for everybody if you want to look hard enough. But that station was losing money. And uh, the gentleman uh, called us several times, would you please buy this station? <laughs> and I said, well, I've got a great format for it. And, it, and greatest artists, greatest hits. And what was interesting about that was most people didn't think it was a good idea, you know, to... But it was really, it was really um, um, Pandora before there was Pandora. You know, we did sets of music that made sense. You know, sixties. Why did people dance music? Why did people music. not think that format was a good idea? Was it they thought it was too broad? It, they, they thought it was like uh, too far out there. You know, uh, it's never been done before. It was one of those things, and you know, somebody had to start it, right? But to me. Um, my brother, Tom, my late brother, Tom, used to do a thing called like busloads of songs, like an album would come out and you'd only hear one track on the album. Right. But the single. Were, yeah. The single. And yeah. yet there were two other Brian Adams songs on there that were really, really good. Today they call them uh, deep tracks, things like that on Sirius XM or something. They're just great songs. And the fact of the matter is, Jake, when we grew up, we had records, right? And we had friends over, we just put them on top and they just flopped down and you listened to every track on the album. And when that was over, you flipped them over and that was your jukebox at home, right? And in the car, you had a, a track and it would play every cut of that, uh, that album. Led Zeppelin album or, or whatever it might be, right? So uh, you knew all the tracks. And, and the other thing was, you know, like oldies, Music is art. And and I think it was, you know, Top 40 music was so new to people at the time that they just didn't think it would last. And that's why songwriters wrote, they gave away the rights to their songs because they thought, well, nobody's going to play this song in 2022, and yet we still are. <laughs> we are. Yep, here you and, are. <laughs> and, and, you know, the famous story is the Beach Boys, you know, uh, their father owned the rights to most of their early songs, and he sold them to Herb Albert. For two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and of course they're worth a billion dollars. Oh my god! Even the Beatles, with all the wisdom of of Mr. Eastman, uh, Linda Eastman, Paul's uh, wife, um, sold half their catalog to Michael Jackson. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. That that's one of the the and, greatest, funniest stories of of that topic. Uh, owning, you know, catalogs of music, the Michael Jackson Beatles. But I always thought, you know, I always felt that, you know, the way people look at um, their photo albums, you know, and why do people stand in line for three hours to see the Mona Lisa? They've seen it a million times because it's classic. It's just something about it that stirs the emotions of the heart. Well, oldies do that too. And they needed to be treated respectfully, you know. Uh, and, you know, you mean, you know, like disc jockeys back in the old days would say, you know, if my nose has an itch, you know what I do? I let Wilson pick it. And here's midnight hour, you know, in the midnight. <laughs> <laughs> was, that, was that your line that you no, used? No, 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 it wasn't. But, but that's what they would do. Yeah. And, but yet now, you know, in this, you know, we, there were other regional groups that played the same song. The Rascals, they weren't regional, but at one time they were, they played the same song as well. You had Gloria by 
you know, Van Morrison and you had them, uh, the chef, you know, everybody, you know, it's just a different, it was cool. So I knew that there was a place on the radio for this because people grew up. There was a time in the, this country where 99% of the population listened to the radio for three hours a day. And that was just 40 years ago. Today, it's 93%. And they listen for about two hours and 10 minutes, right? Now, granted, you know, we have Sirius XM, we have different A lot more things to listen to. I'm just talking about broadcasting over the air. Mm-hmm. But it's still a tremendous reach. So oldies, the songs, uh, the reason Pandora took off was the same reason we put VLI on the air, because we knew there was more to it, that those songs needed to be played and played it with respect. And I knew that they would never get old, just like you never get tired of looking at yourself, uh, you know, throwing the football or something in your high school days or something. I mean, whatever, you you know, prom pictures. And it wasn't too long after the Valley was created in 95. It wasn't long after that when there was a slew of those formats of radio stations, we play anything kind of yeah. format, which is similar. Yeah, very similar to Jack know. and all that stuff. Yeah. But, you know, um, they kind of get, you know, if you grew up in Chicago, right, or Atlanta or Miami or, you know, there was a top 40 station. And at one time, you could hear Frank Sinatra, the Rolling Stones, and uh, and Leslie Gore in the same they were all in the, the same all hour. In the top 40s. Yeah. You know, I mean, they, they didn't care what order they played the song. It was all about the song. And I, you know, I think the secret to our station has always been if, if you know, if you don't know the artist, you know the song. And if you don't know the song, you know the artist. And, and then you take, and then I kind of fell into it because we had so many wonderful uh, air personalities who also knew the music. I mean, uh, you know, we had, uh, uh, you know, I mentioned Jim Brandt. Right? right. Yeah. So but, going back to, but we had Tommy and we had, and now we have Denny Case and so right people that you just know when you hear their voice come through the speaker, they're telling you something that you want to know. And WFAV, Jess on WFAV, right. she's just the modern version of it. She just does a wonderful job of really caring about the song, the lyrics, whether it was sung, who produced it. You know, and you know, and they're coming in concert or whatever the fashion might be at the time, but that's what um, the valley did and did it. And plus, you know, uh, Wally Phillips. That's the guy. there we go, Phillips. That was he the last gave night. away everything, yeah. and and uh, so you know, we kind of changed the way people listen to the radio in Kankakee with with WBLI, and then we were able to put a a country station on. Um, after 2001 yeah because you know star radio sold um very popular country station 92.7 which we now own uh which was called t93 really good country station uh gary wright bill gertine and those guys did a wonderful job with that and uh but their company sold the station out from under them and they desperately wanted to get a country station, and they tried hard. They even flipped the the uh, the music on their AM station from AC to country, and you know some people felt that was not a good idea at the time, you know because you know I don't like country, you know. <laughs> you know, you know. 
like, well, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But regardless of that. Um, so that's when you saw the opportunity. You're like, we're going to create a country station. Right. I looked around for construct what they call CPs, and I found one in Kentland, Indiana. And I talked to a Lyle Evans in Green Bay. He owned it. And I called him every 30 days for three years. And then when he called me on Labor Day, he says, Tim, this is Lyle. I'm sick. I'm ready to sell. And he was an FCC lawyer. He owned a TV station in Green Bay and uh, 600,000 watt class C FMs in Upper Michigan. And, so he had a lot. He had a lot, yeah. He was an interesting guy. And, you know, we bought that and put it on the air 1017 in. in, uh, uh, in Ketlin, but uh, we moved it. You're allowed to move the tower 11.8 miles north, so we ended up uh, moving it to Donovan, which gave us uh, plenty of coverage for Kankakee at the time, and blah, blah, blah. You know, the rest is history. <laughs> well, and then since then, obviously, it's uh, you acquired 1037, and, and then there's 961, because now River Country is on all three of those frequencies. Yes, it is. It is. And, and uh, we recently were able to. Uh, have a amazing uh, Roy Gregory. He was on. Listen to this. This is how funny this business is. How incredible, incredibly naive or ill-advised or I don't know. Roy Gregory. Roy. Roy Gregory. <laughs> it's it's hard. It's a mouthful. I know. Uh, it's radio. You know Gregory Roy. You know you have right. two first names. Yeah. Um, he was on the air for twenty eight years on CCQ. He was a legend. Yeah, everybody knew him. I knew him. I was when I started working here back in 2014, 2015. I was listening to Roy on CCQ just to, you know, <laughs> get my feet wet. I'll, I'll make this really quick because, you know, we always struggled to have a real good morning man on River Country. We've had a lot of people here say, "All right, I'll do it for a while." You know, Jim Brandt did it for a while, and. Chris Nichols did it for a while, and Mike Tamano did it for a while, but their heart wasn't in it, and yeah. listeners pick up on that. And uh, um, Mike Rubel mentioned that this guy was no longer on CCQ, and I said, well, Mike, go find him for us, will you? And couldn't find him. So, of course, I uh, never ask a, a man to do a, a, a woman's job, right, because a woman can do anything a man can do, and Mike you know, one-tenth of the time, right? So Vicki, who uh, works with me, uh, uh, she found him in about less than one minute on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> of course, right? Yeah. We had him on the phone in two minutes, and we had him in the radio station within two hours. And and it was the one another fortunate decision for our for Kankakee, our Watsika, Rensselaer, Wilmington. Yeah, Roy's Wood. just top notch. I he's, mean, he's just an amazing guy. Yeah, he fits in so well with with the people that uh, are on the air here. We have a great, great lineup of people. Very fortunate. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I feel like you know, you're right about the not having that strong morning personality on River Country. I mean, you had you had amazing people in that morning spot in previous yeah. years, but. Roy, that's 
that's his thing. Like oh. country is his thing. So he just having him behind the wheel of river country just made sense. And then it obviously made sense to put Mike Tamano on the Valley. You know, that's, that's much, enough, that's another that's, story. That's much. Well, yeah, that's another story, but, um, what an amazing guy he is. But, uh, it's, there's just, there's so much, there's so many stories within the stories. Yeah. And, I guess I kind of want to go back to the, the like the beginning of the valley, though, just yeah. because, I mean, you're going from this gigantic regional station, the bus, and then going to something much more hyper focused on the Kankakee River Valley and not so much a region. And then I, I always love hearing that story about you calling Gary Wright at KAN mm -hmm. to talk about Jim Brandt. Yeah. I think, and Jim I know Brandt you're about was, to tell that story. Jim, I don't. I hope that that uh, your listeners um, remember Jim Brandt. Jim Brandt was not only did he have the voice, but he had the passion, and he had tremendous integrity. I mean, Jim. Jim did the right thing all the time, and his listeners knew that. But I didn't really know Jim Brandt, the man, right? I didn't know Jim and Marsha and, and their kids until years later, really after we worked together. But I used to listen to him do little league games. And my father was a, uh, he did Michigan State football and basketball. Apparently he did NBA, you know, he was a play-by-play -play guy. And I just loved the, what he did, you know. And so was, you grew up listening to your dad doing those yeah. games. So and probably when you heard Jim, you kind of. Jim made a. Frickin' literally being sound like the World Series, you know? You didn't want to get out of the car, you know? And and then, you know, so I figured, you know, he's probably doing morning drive on WK, and he wasn't, and he was doing, like, part-time. And I, I said to uh, my brother, I said, you know, Jim Brandt, you know, he would be the perfect guy to build a radio station around. And he said, okay. You know, Mickey was happy, you know, if you think so. Yeah. Okay. Mickey, yeah. yeah. So uh, I I called Jim and, and Jim said he was interested. And, and, uh, and I said, well, I'm going to call the GM over there, Jerry Wright, and, and get permission, to, you know, to see, you know. Is that what people normally do, though? Yeah, that is what we I used mean, to do, yeah. I mean, to me, that is... <laughs> excuse the expression, but you had some balls like to call the GM and be like, Hey, can I have one of your guys? <laughs> Cause you're well, from a completely different company. Well, I, I looked you know. at it. I, I don't mean to interrupt you. No, you're fine. The, the thing was he deserved in my mind, you know, I've been in the business my whole life. My, my mother and father were in entertainment. My mother's a big band singer, been in radio forever. It's the only thing I've ever done. And I thought, this guy is good. And, but, you know, it was like, you know, you have five great pitchers and only four are going to pitch, right? So you got to put one in the bullpen. Well, Jim got put in the bullpen at KN. And I thought he should be a starting pitcher. That's my analogy. Yeah, that's a good and analogy. I, so I, I, I called Gary and said, you know, um, I, I said, I'm building a radio station and I want to start with one of your guys, if that's okay with you. He's currently part time. And I think he would be a real asset to the community. We'll be, we're on FM, you're on AM. It'll be a different deal. And he says, Brant. You know, you can call him, you can say Jim Brant. Brant, you want Brant. Brant's good. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. If he want, if he wants to work for you, okay. All right. Hangs up the phone. And um, so I called him up. He said, "Yeah." He said, "He said if I want you and you want to work here, you can work." <laughs> you know. And that's what happened. So I owe a lot to Gary Wright. Gary Wright was a really good broadcaster. Uh, he gave a lot of people in this town their first shot at radio, and he put them in a structure for them to succeed. And I'll always respect him for that. And I still see Gary uh, around town. We served on boards together and things. And in fact, I saw him last night at the Riverside Samaritan Dinner downtown. And in, nobody can tell a story like Gary Wright. He's a great storyteller, but I'm very grateful for him. And I know a lot, almost everybody who's worked for me had worked for him. Think about that. Right. Yeah. I mean, so many people in this building, as we speak, have worked. For, for Gary, or they at least worked at Star Radio or KAN at sure. the same company. Gordy McCollum, I saw him last night. Uh, and uh, you know, I, Ed Monday and I were, he, Ed Monday was like our, you know, I now say that that Ken Sires is the uh, Walter Cronkite. He is, now he is, but, now that Ed's passed. But yeah. Ed, was the, Ed was the best. Ed was the best. I think the turning point I had with, with, with Gary was when we had the train wreck in 97, 98, 98, I think. I think that was 98. And we weren't a news powerhouse. We were more, you know, music entertainment. Right. Content. But you did have Ken Zire. We had Ken Zire. But, you know, I, I, Ed Mundy, you couldn't beat Ed Mundy. And Jam Parcel. And, and, but we did a, the best that we could. Anyway, so we're out there covering that horrific train accident. And uh, we had what they call a Marty system. And we're broadcasting live. And that's not something we did a lot of, but for an emergency like that, we had to be there. And we were out there. All oh, right, it was with, huge. With, I mean, with a judge. Well, now, you know, state's attorney, Judge Kick, was out there. We we're interviewing him and, and people like that, you know. And Ed was struggling with his party system. He said, what's up? He says, not working. And I said, well, we can just, you know, change the frequency to your frequency and you can use ours. And he said, you'll do that? I said, of course, you know. I mean, uh, what do they say? Um, mountain climbers help mountain climbers, right? That's right. You know? And of course, so we did. And I got a call from Gary Wright saying, I just want you to know how much I appreciate you doing that. That was really important. And I didn't, I was an unconscious competent, frankly. I didn't realize what I was doing was such a big deal, you know. And it turned, and so Gary and I have been really good friends. We've always respected each other, uh, but we've become good friends since then, you know. And that was 25 years ago. Yeah, right. <laughs> a lot of history in KPK Radio. Right, well, I think that's just a testament to your character. Because I'll, st I'll say, because I've, I've told this to people recently. I don't know if I've told this directly to you, though, is that... I was scared when I started this podcast that there was a chance that I was no longer going to be a, an employee at Milner Media because I thought maybe you would see it as a, you know, as a oh. competitor kind of thing. But instead, you sat me down in your office and you're like, hey, I want to help you. You know, I want to help promote your podcast and we can, you know, in turn, I just want to to have ads on your podcast about 
uh, about Milner Media and our radio stations and on your website and stuff. And I think that's just a true testament to your character. You know, so I, I just want to say thank you for that, you know, well, so. <laughs> you're more than welcome, but I, I, really the pleasure is, you know, it, you know, is ours, all the people that work here, because we're so proud of you and what you're doing. It reminded me very much of like when we were breaking in a new format, which turned out to be like Pandora or Spotify, mm -hmm. and, and you were breaking ground in this area, We it's doing it in a well-organized, thoughtful way that uh, um, when I first listened to your podcast, I was like blown away. You know, I couldn't get away. That's what a good podcast does, right? It's like the Jim Brandt Little League game. You couldn't get away, <laughs> you couldn't get away from it. Yeah. I had to write that run. It was funny you say that because even though I was never a sports person and I would, the, the couple times we covered some like high school playoff games mm -hmm. here at the station and I was board hopping. I was really invested in what Jim was was doing on the air, even though I had honestly no idea because I'm not a big like football, for instance. We did a couple football games when I was yeah. and and Jim it was like Jim and, and Dave Smith covering those games. And just listening to Jim get so excited about it, it just yeah. made me wanna <laughs> made me wanna listen. I've always felt that uh, you know, Chris Nichols. Yeah. Local guy. Smooth the smoothest voice <laughs> in the valley. Could be on any radio station in the world. Yeah, absolutely. In the world. I just couldn't believe the good fortune we had when he came here. And now he's our operations director and doesn't do a show, but he he coaches and coordinates and you know, with we have a lot of balls up in the air all the time. Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, but getting. Thank you for that compliment. Can I well, share a story with you? Yeah, please, story? please. Because I don't think I think people might find it very interesting. <laughs> okay. Um, to get the Noah community, read the newspaper, right? Read all the papers. Uh, well, that's what you and your brother always would tell me. Yeah, Toby Oshesky had uh, Country Market, Herald, and the Journal uh, was legendary i mean the guy started it with the governor of the state you know i mean come on right built highway 50 yep uh, all that kind of stuff governor small yeah so okay so here's the deal so the newspaper would come out and i would read it you know and this and that and, you know and i realized that after talking to people, just, you know, whether I was, I used to go to the Greek Orthodox Church or this or that, did they say, hey, did, you, did you see that in the newspaper? No, I didn't see that. I, was, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. So I call up the journal and I said, would it be all right with you if I tell people what's going to be in the paper today so that they know to look for it? And I think I talked to Mario. I can't think of his last name. And he, but he was like the GM, or he was a circulate. You know, he was a he wasn't a VP or something. But he was one of like department heads. He was or a guy something. Did a lot of work. You know, okay. he worked with the editors. He worked with Philangelo. He worked with uh, the Smalls and all that. And he said, "Why do you want to do that?" Aren't you? You know, they saw us as competitors. Well, sure, because local news is big here at. Milner. Yeah, we know. say local news comes first. First, right? on the valley, yeah. You know, like we would say, you know, like you read it in the paper, it's history, you hear it on the radio, it's news. <laughs> that's, that's just a joke, you know. But um, but the journal always has done a fabulous job of covering everything. Mm -hmm. 
so I never heard back from him. So we just decided, Ken Sire and myself, we'd get the paper and say, this is what's in today's newspaper, you know? <laughs> so I get a call from, I'm sure Phil will say it didn't go this way or another. I Phil Angelo. Phil Angelo. Yeah. And he said something to the effect like, well, if you're going to tell people what's in the paper, you might as well tell them what's really in the paper correctly, with I guess correct grammar is what he meant. And so they started sending us things that were in the paper. Headlines. Headlines, yeah. you know, in today's term. And it became part of our newscast. And we it was just information. It wasn't a commercial for the journal. They didn't need it. And um, I was invited to a board meeting at the journal one day after this. We were doing this for like, I don't know, five, six, seven years. And... And one of the smalls was there and the Mario was there and, and they had a like a um, uh, what do you call um, a graph a graph uh, yeah a tripod or you know a stand with, mm -hmm. with something okay. covering it like a you know, a, you know they're gonna unveil something oh right? okay you know and okay. I was like I was I didn't, I so they had like a sheet over I didn't this know what was going on yeah so I get there and they unveil this weather map with this special ad for WBLI called the weather phone, you know, 929-1234, right? And, and they said, this is for you. This will always be your ad. And we're so grateful for what you've done for us for the last eight, nine, 10 years, whatever it was. And that was really cool. I mean, you know, they just, they thought it would be so cool to repay us or mm -hmm. show gratitude by putting this ad, little ad beneath their weather map for, you know, up-to-date local weather, 929-WBLI's weather phone, which you can still call. Yeah, you can still call the weather phone if we you choose. We still yeah. get 1,200 calls a month. Believe really? Me. We do. That's insane. I don't yeah. know. I mean, I always thought that was strange. This would drive Jim Bragg 12? crazy because when the weather oh, yeah. phone broke, the people would call, you know. Well, there was always one person I know that would call. Yeah. And because she, and maybe she still does, uh, would call it every single day. And yeah. she'd say, the weather phone, it's not up to date. Yeah. It's the same Alan Archer forecast yeah. from yesterday or two days ago or a week ago. Alan or, Archer, another guy that was on WKN years right. ago. And then, uh, you know, when they stopped using him, I said, everybody knows Alan Archer, you know, and said, I'm going to go get them, you know? <laughs> so that's it. That's too funny. Yeah, so the journal, um, uh, it's, it's very important to have a strong local newspaper, strong local radio, uh, strong local podcast, <laughs> uh, because it creates a community. It, it creates an area that people care about and they call home. And it's just... That's what makes the Kankakee River Valley such a wonderful place to live. People always say to me, like, why, why do you live here? I mean, you came from Fort Lauderdale. I came here to raise my children. And one of the highlights of their year is to come home and visit and see their friends who now, you know, you have businesses that were passed on or people are working here and they do this. It's just, it's home. Were you actually born in Florida or were you born... In like because I, I was born in we were all born in New Jersey. Okay, I I yeah. thought maybe you were all born on the East Coast and then eventually because I know what you went to was it to Michigan first and then to Florida or Florida to Michigan? I, I we lived at a very young age. We lived in um, 
We lived in, my father was a disc jockey for WIP. He did afternoon drive. WIP did sports. And that was Pennsylvania. And that's right? in Philadelphia. Yeah. And my parents had an opportunity to buy a station with five partners in Flint, Michigan. We were there for a few years, sold it, moved to Fort Lauderdale in the early 60s. And I'm sure you loved those uh, Flint, Michigan days because, <laughs> uh, you know, how cold it was, right? <laughs> uh, it, was, it was great days. You know, I was younger than, you know, I was there when uh, John Kennedy was assassinated. We all remember that day. Uh, but, um, and, you know, I think the thing that I remember most about that radio station was, uh, if you've seen pictures of my mother out here yes. in the hallway, is Sonny and Cher walking into the station, right, uh, with a record that had not been played. It wasn't I Got You, Babe. It was, uh, I forgot the name of the, their first hit record. Which uh, was before I Got You, Babe, right? They had a, didn't they have a song yeah. before that that was... Right. And, you know, I, I'm having that senior moment. Yeah, I, honestly, I, I can't big, remember. It was a big hit. And he wrote other records for other artists before that. Right. And he was 10 years older than her, and she was 16 years old. And she's sitting there with my mother, and my mother's not a whole lot older, you know. And <laughs> very, it was a very, very cool time. But we had uh, friends like Bob Seeger came from that area, Grand Funk Railroad, the founder of Grand Funk Railroad was our nighttime DJ, Terry Knight in the pack, Lucky 11 Records. Uh, I can go on and on. The song 96 Tears by Question Mark and Mysterians. Uh, these two guys, they were uh, Puerto Rican gentlemen from Saginaw. Uh, they're like 17 years old, you know? Yeah. And they had put this song on reel-to-reel -reel tape, and they wanted to know what we thought of it. And they brought it to you? They brought it to us at our station. We were the first station. To play that the song? The first station, yes. And in fact... Still played on, on the valley look, to this day. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's considered a classic. It's been covered by everybody. Right. But it just, you know, I you know the other day I was uh, helping a friend move, and he had the gentleman helping him, and, and one was this uh, guy, obviously, from uh, somewhere like Puerto Rico or South America or Mexico, he was Spanish, and he, he said that he was a rapper, and he, he, and he wanted to know what I thought of his song. I said, I don't know if I can help you or not, you know, but mm -hmm. listen, I said, you know what, it's good. I mean, but I'm 69 years old, you know. <laughs> it's going to do well with 69-year-old guys, you know. But uh, maybe it's not good, you know. Yeah. But you might, but yeah. I think technically and everything, it, it's, you should, you know, Go with your heart, man. Mm -hmm. Go with it. Make it work. So these guys, the reason I told them this story about Question Mark and Mysterians. So this song with just the organ and, you know, a little bit of bass and drum, that's it, you know. But the lyrics are so strong. You know, it's one of those songs, like, gentle on my mind, that just, you could, it just could go on and on and on. If you, if you listen to a Post Malone song, those melodies could just go on for an hour. You know, they, they call it the beat now, right? But it's really a melody. <laughs> Is that what they call it? I don't know. Yeah, I feel like I'm never... Whatever they call it. The track. The track <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. So, um, but I... And if you look at their first album, Question Mark and Mysterians, you'll see on the back cover, Bob Dell, our program director, who became their manager, right? Got wow. it published and, uh, and all of that. So I have a lot of great... Memory. You have so many stories. I remember you were telling me stories about when your family had relocated down to Florida, mm -hmm. that there what what Queen had come through your door before they were 
ginormous. And, oh my God, yeah, uh, everybody. And there was there was at least one or two or a couple years where your family's radio station did like a huge concert um, down look, in Florida. Look, the, behind is me. it the poster? And see the poster up there. Oh, it's this one, right? Yeah, yeah. Now the my mother and the father, Easter Rock Festival. Jackie and yeah. Jean, right? This is before promoters. Yeah. Um, all right, these are the people. This was in, I think, 1968. It, it, it was, I think, um, April 30th or March. I don't know what it's. It was around Easter time, yeah, right? It was yeah, Easter. Here's who played Creedence Clearwater Revival, Canned Heat, Grassroots, Steve Miller Band, Buffalo Springfield, Sweetwater, Chuck Berry, Tiny Tim. Now, when Tiny Tim came, to Kankakee, I said, "Hey, Tiny, it's Tim. <laughs> you know, Tim, Tim. Uh -huh. and, you know, remember me? You know, yeah. Mr. Rock Festival. You know, yeah. he didn't remember. Me. <laughs> he stayed in the old Kankakee Hotel. Gosh, and, that's great. And uh, what I remember, the little odd thing was, he wore adult diapers. Isn't that wild? I mean, it's crazy. Is it because yeah, he I don't know what it was." But he wasn't afraid to tell me about it, you know? I mean, I thought that was interesting. I mean, I always thought artists that play, like, three-hour shows and they don't leave the stage would have to, <laughs> to oh, wear, also, like, an adult diaper. Three Dog Night, Strawberry Alarm Clock, and the list goes on. Right. We had the MC5 coming, but they used the F word, and that's one of the seven words in radio. That, that you can't, you can't <laughs> Yeah. So... Um, yeah, and, and it was a great time. And we did other ones as well. My brother Mickey was a big part of that. My brother Tom. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, I was telling, you know, we're trying to do a promotion. I was talking to Roy about this. Mm -hmm. and, you know, we're, we we did Ted Nugent, who was a friend of Mike DeMonos. Mike DeMonos, yes. And Bob Seeger at the Highway Drive in 1967. Think about that. Doing a battle of the bands. And somebody threw a Coke bottle and hit somebody. We got sued. And it took like seven years. So ever since then, like my mother would never do anything, you know. <laughs> We're going to get sued, right? Mm. But uh, yeah, a lot of memories. I could, a lot of stories. And yeah, this could be like a four hour yeah, could uh, episode. Um, yeah. But so what, what do you want to, what do you want to leave with? Yeah, it's funny. I'm approaching <laughs> that time of my life where uh, I don't really want to leave because people say to me that my, everybody around me is retired, right? Yeah. And, and you, know, you ask the question like, okay, when you retire, what do you do, right? What do people do? And they get old and they become irrelevant and they're not, and they just kind of fade away. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's, life is a choice, right? You make choices. And um, I'm the luckiest guy in the world because I get to work with people like you. Every, this is my family. Uh, I come to work every day with young people with fresh mind, fresh ideas. Uh, it's it's just interesting. It's fascinating, and, and my days go by really, really fast. Oh yeah, because this place is a it's a beehive. It's yeah. <laughs> but that's all cool. Yeah. Most importantly is the impact that they have on our community, and the feedback that we get. We're always trying to recreate ourselves to be better every day. We see our role in the community as um, a voice for people, uh, entertainment, uh, help promote. Like they say, the economy's bad, right? You know, what we say here is we say, well, let, let's make our economy good, right? Let's not 
participate in negativity. Let's be, you know, the pure, the positive, and and it shows. You know, I mean, people comment to me all the time about the people that uh, entertain uh, our audience and inform our audience. Um, you know, it's kind of it's a shame what's happening right now with newspapers because it's so expensive right you know it's like it's changing even the radio business has changed as we know we don't have as many listeners as we used to but we still have thousands of listeners right right and then they can also listen to us on a on our own app and and tune in radio and everything you know, so now we're our radios you know people used to say to me jake you know because people that have really nice cars had Sirius XM, right? Remember, there used to be Sirius uh, satellite radio, and then there used to be XM. XM, they were separate, but now they're together. And they all came together. And, you know, I always thought they were just another radio station in the market. But if if we did our job right, and we, you know, programmed our music appropriately, and and gave people a reason to listen, a why to listen on a consistent basis, they would do so, and, and and I'm very very pleased that that they perform at such a high level every day because it's so hard to. It, well, I guess maybe you know coming from um, my brother being on the air a lot and and uh, my father whole career, a live mic is hard. It's stressful, and it's a tremendous amount of responsibility of what you say when it comes out, and and you know so. I have a, a great deal of respect for broadcasters. And so why do I keep working? Um, because I love it. I, I just really get a lot back from it. And and I get to work with people like you. You get it from your mom. Yeah, my mother passed away. Um, incredible, incredible woman. Yeah, I was lucky and enough cried, to meet her. You know? Yeah. She, um, before she died, she, she, there was a patch back in the old days in radio, uh, the salesman, right? You know, they would have a station logo on their blazers, right? Sure. And we had one for WTAC, uh, big 600 and it was black and white and she had it. And, and this is while she was dying. She, uh, she had it stitched onto a V cotton sweater and, and when I would go up and take care of her along with my sister at night and she was so excited to, I wish I, I have it at my house. I wish I had it. I'll bring it in tomorrow. I'll show it to you. Okay. And she wanted to have her picture taken with me, with me wearing it as well. Oh, that's you know, so she sweet. wore everything with black and white, you know, just, yeah. because that way, you know, it's really easy to pick out your outfit every day. Yep. <laughs> Not, black doesn't show wrinkles, you know, and, and the contrast, you always look good, you know, well, yeah, right. you look pretty good. <laughs> so, um, but my mother was a pioneer woman broadcaster, but more importantly, she was like an amazing mom. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Wow. Grateful. Grateful for all you do and and the the chance that you you and your brother and your whole family gave me you know eight eight years ago almost already. So. Well, let's talk about Charles. <laughs> well, Charles helped too. Yeah, how gotta, do you say Charles' last name? Because I always butcher his last name, even though you know. Um, well, Char. Everybody knows Charles. Um, yeah. Uh, from the schoolhouse. Uh, yes, Bourbonnet Grove Historical Society. Yeah, Charles is wonderful. Um, he's the 
the one of the the greatest Frenchmen we've ever had walk through here. So his book that he wrote on the history of this area is a must read for anybody. Yeah. My thinking. grandfather printed it. I helped uh, him oh, print that God. book. So <laughs> it is amazing. I wish I yes. had. He, he's there are a lot of extraordinary people who live in in the area, and he was certainly one of them. Yeah, yeah, he'll be a, a guest on the podcast at some point, I'm sure. So, but um, Tim, thank you so much for everything you've personally done for me, and for you know supporting the podcast and and just being a, an incredible. You're a, a a big part of our community, both from the radio station, but also outside of the radio station, because you sit on several boards as well for different nonprofit organizations and such. So thank you for being so heavily involved. It's, it's, it's an honor to serve the community, give back to the community, to help people. Uh, and I'm very grateful for all the, I don't know exactly how to put it. You know, as you get a little bit older, you know, I'm sure your parents went through it too with their printing business and you have a, thousands of customers and we have listeners, people, you know, they call you sir and they, they treat you with such high respect. You know, it, it's, I just don't know how to return that kind of love to people, but I'm very grateful and, and honored to, uh, to serve the Kankakee River Valley and I hope to do it for a long time. Mm. It's, it's, it's fun. It's well, a blast. I'm, I'm sure it will be much longer. So <laughs> thank you, Tim. All right. Thank you, Jake. Thankful for the way these stories hold on to the lifetime we won't get back. I know these rivers carry.